time. All right, how many ready for the word? If you're ready, say yes. Okay, I want to read. Uh, I want to read a few, a couple of verses of scripture found in the book of First Samuel, chapter number seventeen, beginning at verse number thirty-eight. Let's do this. We are one church in multiple locations. Let's say what's up to our New Jersey family. Let's welcome them in the room. What's up, New Jersey? We're in week two of this brand new series called "It's Up." First Samuel, chapter seventeen, verse number thirty-eight says this, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. I want to stop right there and talk from this subject in our time together. Very simply, I can't win that way. Clap your hands at every location if you're ready for God's word. As a church family, we have dubbed and designated the year 2024 as the year of the upgrade. Somebody say, it's up. An upgrade refers to an improvement or an enhancement. It's when you experience advancement, not because you added something new, but because you improved something old. And this, rev this revelation is based on the reality that God doesn't have to do, listen to this, he doesn't have to add something new to do something new. God can do a new thing with an old thing. And I'm just believing that's going to be your testimony this time next year as you reflect in 2025 on what happened 2024. My prayer is that you're able to look at what was an old thing and say God made it a new thing. He improved it. He enhanced it. He up Graded it. God can do a new thing with an old thing. And that's what we're believing for this year, an upgrade. And not just an ordinary upgrade. We're believing for accelerated upgrades. We are a people that believe in biblical quantum leaps. We reject the notion that all growth has to be incremental. That even though there may be some things that happen incrementally, when we read our Bible, we see that God can do some things exponentially. In other words, just because God's doing it big doesn't mean he's got to do it slow. I just want to say this just in case somebody needs to hear it at any location. I want to say it just in case it resonates with your soul. I want to say it just in case I'm giving language to what you feel in the recesses of your heart. There's some stuff that's going to happen this year that's going to happen big and fast. Okay, only 37 people at every location received. God said... Just because it's big doesn't mean it has to happen slow. I can do some stuff big and fast. I'll make your phone ring and it'll change your life. You'll open up your email and it'll change your life. I'll send you a text and it'll change your life. 
There are people watching you that you don't even know are watching you. There are people vetting you that you don't even know are vetting you. And sooner or later, I feel it, it's going to turn in your favor. It's turning around for me. Somebody say big, fast. Big, fast. Big, fast. Yeah, you can wait on God. God said in this season, in some areas, I don't have to wait on him. He's giving me the green light. Where my New Year's Eve? He's giving me the green light. In some areas, I'm not waiting on him. In some areas. He's waiting on me. And, and in this first series of the first month of the new year, we are attempting to initiate an upgrade in the most consequential and catalytic area of our life. We are attempting to initiate and inaugurate and upgrade in our spiritual life. Watch this, because listen to this. Our spiritual life is not the only important part of our life. But our spiritual life is the most important part of our life because it affects everything that's important. Did you hear what I just said? I said our spirituality isn't the only important part of our life, but it's the most important part of our life because it affects everything else that's important. And God is aware of this because he wired us this way, and the enemy is aware of this, so he attacks us out of this revelation. So the place I need to grow the most is the place he makes it the hardest to grow. Come on here. Am I making sense here? Yeah. So, 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 so this, this series is intended to aid and assist us in upgrading our spiritual life. And on last week, we shared with you that upgrades require open minds. It, it means that we must be willing to consider new perspectives on ancient truths. It means not that we change our spirituality. We don't do that. But it means that we revisit the way we've been practicing it. And then we ask ourselves honest questions. And that is, is the way I've been practicing it actually giving me the results that have been promised in the scripture? Because last week we taught you that Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Come on, church. And on, and on last week we communicated that that word life means zoe. The God kind of life. Come on. Life as God intended. And we gave you six traits of that life. I want to know who won all six. Yeah, yeah. Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half just won't do. Yeah, a full life is a storm-resistant life. Not a storm-avoided life, but a storm-resistant life. It means I can be in a storm. And the storm not get in me. It means that my testimony is not just I don't look like what I've been through. My testimony becomes I don't look like what I'm going through. A storm resistant life. A life where I've got a sixth sense. It means that I've got hunches, intuitions, promptings of God that enable me to make decisions beyond the data that is in front of my five senses. 
it means that I've got somebody who is giving me nudges or giving me restraint, saying things like, don't go there. Don't say that to them. Don't you sign that. Now's not the time. And sometimes the sixth sense contradicts the five senses, but the sixth sense is more intelligent than the five senses because the sixth sense is God communicating to you something that your natural eyes can't see. That's, that's, a, that's a full life. It's a life where there's supernatural wisdom. And one of the ways wisdom is manifest is in my ability to solve problems. It's when other people panic and I start pondering. <laughs> it's, it's when I operate with a degree of expertise and insight that didn't come from any sort of education. That even if I'm educated, I didn't get this from education. It's a sixth sense. It's a wisdom that is supernatural. It gives me sensational relationships full life helps me discern between Peter and Judas Judas had a bad heart you let him go Peter had a bad day you give him grace it, it, a full life gives me strong restraint it helps me restrain myself so I'm not engaging in self-sabotaging Behavior. It, it gives me the ability to successfully manage success so that I don't destroy my castle while I'm building my empire, right? It, it, it enables me to win. Watch this, because outside the kingdom, you got to pick which area you're going to win and whatever you're going to lose in. But inside the kingdom, all we do is win. So it means I can have productivity and peace. Come on, talk to me. Come on. Come on. Yeah. And so, so, so the point of this series is, hey, we got to have an open mind because I got to revisit, do I have those six things? And if I have them, am I full of all six? And if not, if, if the answer to that is no, and I'm unwilling to make a change, then I'm spiritually settling. It might not even mean I'm suffering, but it means I'm settling. But I believe that when you look back over your 2023 and you see all you had to overcome and all you had to endure and all you had to wade through, you did not get to 2024 just to settle. No, 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 no. The Bible says they that sow in tears will reap in joy. It means that I got seed in the ground from some heartache that I went through and the enemy's got to give me a harvest for my heartache. Come on here. Upgrades require open, open minds. And there are three areas, three areas where we've got to be open-minded in. And here's, here's the first one. This first one is what I call uh, the law of revelation. Here it is, family. God will expose something that isn't what you think it is now in order for it to become what it can be later. God said, okay, if you're going to experience an upgrade 
One of the first things that I got to do is I got to aid and I got to assist you in accurately locating where you are. So watch this. When you get, when you experiencing, when we are experiencing this law of revelation, God, God gives us insight into underutilization. In other words, God starts showing you how you are underutilizing what you already have. Did you hear what I just said? He starts showing you, oh, you just been walking with that stick, Moses. I'm going to show you how to use that stick to part a Red Sea. Oh, you just been walking past those rocks, David. I'm going to show you how to use those rocks to knock down a giant. What if I told you God is able to reveal to you and me how we have been underutilizing what we possess? So, so, so the, the law of of revelation, the law of elimination, your ability to release yourself from emotional attachments to that which has become a liability determines if you become a greater asset. Am I making sense here? We got a long way to go. Here it is. Here's the next one. It's the law of customization. We're going to spend the rest of the message talking about this one. Here it is, family. The law of customization suggests your ability to win is determined by your ability to discern what doesn't work for you. And this is where we've got to lean into as it relates to spiritual upgrades, because this text that we just read is a text that I believe is a powerful picture of this law of customization. It exposes us to David's exchange with Saul prior to his battle with Goliath. And I want you to see this. David is getting ready to fight Goliath. And the text says that Saul wants to make sure David is properly prepared. So Saul gives David his armor. So you have a king giving this man, David, his armor, saying, I want you to have the best armor. He gives David his sword, saying, I want you to have the best weaponry. And the text says that David puts it on. He walks around in it. And then comes back to Saul, I'm paraphrasing, and says, I can't wear this. Do you know how much courage it took for him to come back to a king and say, I know this is what you wear. I know this is what everyone wears when they go to battle. I know hundreds of thousands of battles have been won with people wearing armor. But David is in essence saying, I can't wear your armor because your armor doesn't align with my wiring. You would have to fight Goliath with a sword. So I see why you're giving me one. But I'm not wired that way. The sword doesn't work with my wiring. See, David's narrative reveals and exposes the truth that many of us need to embrace and understand if we're going to experience spiritual upgrades. It's because we too, uh uh-oh, must be able to discern what armor 
doesn't align with your wiring. See, the armor and the weapons represented the way one went about engaging in action. And it can be a metaphor for the way we go about engaging in action also. It represented an approach to battle. Listen to this. And David's discernment is what delivered his victory over Goliath. What he models is something we can all learn to emulate as we attempt to upgrade our spirituality. We must resist the pressure to take on spiritual approaches that don't align with our spiritual temperament. Did you hear what I just said? And the reason some of us are losing to Goliath is because you're trying to fight like Saul. And the reason some of us are not advancing the way we could be advancing is because we've been trying to fight like Saul. Because all we've seen is Saul. And we've seen Saul get victories. We've seen Saul experience success. And we can operate with the assumption that if that's the way Saul did it, then that's the way I have to do it. And so now you're trying to conform to a way of practicing your spirituality that is that has been helpful for others but won't be helpful for you you need to go to battle but you can't go to battle with that armor on come on here and so you must be willing to discern what doesn't work for you so that you can discover what actually does. And I know we talk about liberation and freedom and deliverance in the context of the church. And we, we talk about how we need to get delivered from vices and how we need to get delivered from issues. I came to tell you sometimes you've got to get delivered from religious traditions. Are we here? Many of us are not experiencing spiritual optimization because we're practicing our spirituality in a way that doesn't align with our spiritual temperament. Pastor, what's the spiritual temperament? It refers to an individual's inherent disposition or inclination towards particular approaches practices or expressions of spirituality that resonate with their unique personality, preferences, and ways of connecting with God. What are you saying? I'm saying within the Bible. Somebody say within the Bible. Okay, so, so we're not going outside the framework of the Bible, okay? That's flag on the play. I'm out of bounds, all right? I'm not going outside the framework of the Bible, but within the framework of the Bible, there are diverse methods and diverse paths that align better with certain people's individual spiritual temperament. This allow, when they find their path, it allows them to deepen their spiritual connection in a way that feels authentic. See, this is why some people say, uh, this, this religion is fake. No, it's not, it's not inauthentic. The way you're practicing it isn't authentic to you. Y'all aren't talking to me. It's because you're 26 trying to pray like somebody that's 66. That's why it doesn't feel authentic to you. It doesn't feel authentic because you live in 2024 in America, but you're speaking language from 1611 King James in England. Y'all aren't talking to That's why it doesn't feel authentic. 
forcing a person to ignore their spiritual temperament is the equivalent of forcing them to wear Saul's armor. So we do not go outside the Bible to find a way to deepen our connection with God. But there are multiple ways within the Bible, not because everybody supposed to do everything. But there are multiple paths to deepening our connection with God because there's something for everybody. I'm going to say it again. We don't go outside the Bible. To find ways to deepen our connection. We don't go outside the Bible to find ways to upgrade our spirituality. Right? Okay. Right? Or at minimum, the Bible becomes the filter through which you put practices that you're going to incorporate. Right? So some people might be so low, script, so low scriptura, which is by scripture uh, only, or some are so low scriptura, which is by scripture alone, that scripture becomes a supreme court to which I take all other religious ideas to. And if it aligns with the, the reality of scripture, then I utilize it. But if it doesn't, then scripture overrules culture. Make sense? All right. But within the Bible, you got all of these different paths. To deepen a connection, not because everybody's supposed to do everything, but these different ways are in here because, uh oh, I, I'm trying not to, I got in trouble. The last, sir. <laughs> everybody's not supposed to do everything, but there's something for everybody. And, 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 and what, what Saul, oh my, what Saul can represent is dominant Christian culture. What Saul can represent is a denomination. What's, gosh. What Saul can represent is people in your family. What Saul can represent is people in your church who have been doing it one way. And they assume because it works for them. It works for everybody. And now they try to impose that methodology on you. And because you've seen it work for them, you assume something's wrong with you. Did you hear what I just said? And I pray that a spirit of freedom break out across every location, including Change Global, where you shake free from the shackles of trying to do this thing in a way that's not consistent with the way God wired you. Let me be me. I don't need your armor. I don't need your sword. But if you give me my five smooth stones, if you let me fight this thing my way, I'll knock that giant down. So what happens is certain people, certain tribes, certain denominations, certain sects assume that certain spiritual temperaments is the equivalent of spiritual maturity. So if you don't have the same temperament as me, 
then you're not as mature as I am. So there's this imposing of armor. And it happens in a number of areas. Here, here are a few that I see where it happens a lot. Are y'all okay? We tilling hard ground this morning, right? But that's why you come to a church like this, right? Okay. Here it is. Here it is. I see it happening in a number of areas. One of the areas that happens is, is, is in prayer. Now, I can take you through scripture. I can show you so many ways to pray, you can't remember them all. Now, who you pray to doesn't change. Whose name you pray in doesn't change. But I can take you to scripture and I can show you some people laying prostrate and praying. That's Joshua. He was laying prostrate. God said, get up. Sit in the camp. Get up. I'm not even going to bother that. He says, he says your prayer is not going to fix what principle broke, Joshua. You didn't lose the battle of Ai because of lack of prayerlessness. You lost the battle of Ai because of principle. You got to go back and fix that. Anyway, he's laying prostrate. He's praying, right? I can show you people walking and praying in scripture. I can show you people kneeling and praying in scripture. I can show you people praying audibly in scripture with verbal words. I can show you people praying in their mind, like mentally. And I can take you to Psalms and I can show you tons of prayers that David wrote. Y'all aren't talking to me now. So the pathway is prayer. My spiritual temperament determines the way that I do it. And the reason some of us can't be consistent is not because we don't have the right discipline. We can't be consistent because you're pursuing a pathway that don't align with your temperament. You're not cut like that. I'm going in a closet three hours. You're not cut like that. Your mind is all over the place. You're going to have to take a walk and do it. You're going to have to write it in a journal. Come on here. You're going to have to do it cleaning the house. You're going to have to do it while you're washing the dishes. You got to discover your temperament. Because I came to tell you, if you do it in Jesus' name, it'll work in the car. If you do it in Jesus' name, it'll work in the park. If you do it in Jesus' name, it'll work in the living room. If you do it in Jesus', Jesus name, work, even if you write it down. Jesus. I need somebody that feels free right now to just say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I see it in prayer. And people are losing. They can't do it consistently because they're trying to do it a certain way. I see it in prayer. I see it in worship. I can go through scripture and I can show you tons of ways that the Bible says God's willing to receive worship, which means not to feel gratitude. It means to express worth. Worthship. So if I'm not expressing his worth in my life, it's not worship. 
and you can't, here's what, okay, y'all not ready now? Y'all not ready, right? Okay, so here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus said this. Y'all okay? We, oh, I'm out here now. All right. These people draw nigh to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So this is what we do because we don't like dead services. We force people into actions that outpace their relationship. Because you can't, you can't worship beyond your degree of treasure. If it means to express worth, I can only worship in a way that is consistent with my revelation of his value. So the more I value him, the deeper my worship gets. And some of us, come on here, grew up in spaces where they were trying to get deep worship out of people with shallow relationship. If you help me fix my relationship, don't you mess with me. If you help me fix my relationship, you don't have to get me ready when I walk in here. I'll enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When I get my relationship right, I come in here with a premeditated praise. See, that's the problem with some of us. Your praise not premeditated. It's based on how you feel. But I believe I got some people in every location that say, I came to praise them. This is why I came. I got in my car. Y'all aren't talking to me. Got on my computer because I got every intention to give God praise. So the Bible, all worship means is to express worth. And as long as it's done in spirit and in truth, God receives every biblical expression. And although we might like one expression more than the other, he doesn't receive one expression more than the other. And so sometimes having the church experience that we want actually undermines the opportunity to give God the worship he wants. Because what we can do in some spaces is try to force people into expressions that don't align with their temperament. The Bible says, I can show you what the Bible says, shout under, clap your hands, that's appropriate. Shout under God with a voice of triumph, that's appropriate. I can show you where it says praise him in the dance, that's appropriate. David dance in 2 Samuel 6, I can show you where that's appropriate. Singing is appropriate, lifting of our hands is appropriate. But I can also take you to Genesis and show you where it says in his old age, Jacob leaned on his staff and worshiped. Y'all better come get me. He couldn't two-step the way he used to, but he leaned. His legs didn't work the way they used to, but he leaned. His voice wasn't as clear as it used to be, but he leaned. And God received that the same way he received David dancing out of his clothes. So you're not forcing people into maturity by trying to force them to adopt a particular temperament. You're forcing them into inauthenticity. 
you have just forced them out of truth. So this why, this is why in a church like this, we don't want unity. We, we don't want uniformity. We want unity. What does that mean? It means that if you're the dancer, dance. If you're the clapper, clap. If you're the shouter, shout. If you're the runner, run. But the Bible also says the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Sometimes I'm not screaming because I'm thinking. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. But when we don't see this, we'll be forced into express. There's a difference between being stretched in my temperament versus being forced out of it. Right? See, I remember I used to spend summers in Atlanta. What was that, babe? East Point. When, so in high school, I had a cousin with the Moore House. And so when I was in high school, I would come. Which was some, some summers Atlanta, some summers Dallas. And I would come. So we were in um, was at East Point. See, I was back in the day where y'all had some, they had something in Atlanta called run and shoot. It, it, it was more than basketball shooting going on over there. Though. <laughs> so I would, I, I would go. I would go I, so I remember... I, I remember, I can't believe y'all be having me telling my business. Y'all make me feel so safe, and then I tell my business, then y'all start judging me. Y'all feel like such a non judgmental crowd. Then when I start telling my business, y'all judge me. So, anyway, I'm young. I'm in high, somebody say high school. So, give me a break. Don't judge me. I'm in high school, right? So, we stand all the way on the east side, and there's this. Uh, uh, me and my cousin, so we go and run and shoot. We just stand on that side. And then my cousin's friend, who was also a friend of mine, he was also from Mississippi. He had an aunt that stayed over in Decatur. And I think there was this church, it might be called the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit or something like that, over in Decatur, right? And so he was like, hey, my aunt go to this church and they got this youth service on Thursday and none but girls in there. See, wait, I'm, I'm not even about to tell. Y'all judging me. Number girls over there. I say, we going to church. Woo! We going to church. So we go over there for girls, but we get ambushed by God. And I remember sitting at youth service on a Thursday night. We were challenged, but not forced. It was a little somewhat. It was like that was my first time experiencing praise and worship. That was my first time seeing like gospel rap. And it's because I'm coming from rural church. So I'm seeing all of this. And all of a sudden, I remember, you know, you know, the first, you know, first week you just there standing. Right. Then, the, you know, over the next couple of weeks, they singing. You rock it a little bit.
right there, after a while, it's like, <laughs> you clapping. And I remember the first time I lifted my hands, it was like this. <laughs> but by the time I got through the summer, If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw. All men under me. They didn't force me to adopt a temperament. They ushered me into his presence and my temperament responded his presence showed me my temperament watch this this is why I like on super saturday super saturday i mentioned we got something we're doing something called um transformation labs and we're doing a spiritual pathway assessment which means there's an assessment we created to help you determine your spiritual temperament because some of you are like i know my temperament no you know your personality because if you were to ask me if I was a hand lifter before that time, I would have told you no, because that's my personality. But once I got in the presence, the presence revealed the temperament. Did you hear what I just said? So, so here's my point. My point is, if you're trying to force yourself to adopt particular expressions, then you've slid out of authenticity. So people wear Saul's arm in prayer. They wear it in worship. Am I making sense? We wear it in serving. There's so many times where I'm talking to people like, and I think everybody should serve their local church in some way. But that doesn't mean everybody serves their local church the same way. But there'll be people who would feel condemnation about not serving in a way that's consistent with Saul's armor. Am I making sense? But that's not even some people's wiring. We need more people in next gen. But some of y'all, <laughs> you know, it's not that you don't love, some of you, you got kids. He's like, I have kids. That's all I, that's all I got grace for, Pastor. That's. <laughs> now, now watch this. Somebody would say, I'm done, Tara. Somebody would say, Pastor, don't, don't, don't say that. You're going to demotivate people to go back. I'm going to demotivate the wrong people. Yeah. This is Saul's armor. And we feel this pressure. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I would see these people who would pray a certain way, and I'm like, man, prayer matter to me. I practice the daily office, so there's three times during that. I got my morning devotion. There's two other times during the day. I'm pausing. I'm connecting with the Father. I learned my spiritual temperament. That worked for me. Does that make sense? I got to get by myself. I can't do it in a bunch of noise. And I used to feel, I try to force myself 
into these expressions that don't align with how God made me. I'm like, God, you made me this way for a reason. And you accept what I give you from the purity of my heart. And I got free. And it changed everything for me. See, when you really wear your own armor, it, it, it accelerates your spirituality. Here's what you start getting. You get number one, authentic spiritual growth. Authentic. Now, does that make sense? Like authentic spiritual growth, like, man, we got a long way to go, but the kind of growth where you, you look in the mirror, you say, man, you got a long way to go, but I'm proud of you. I'm more like Jesus. Not just the, you know what I mean? Number two, you get accelerated spiritual transformation. It's like, man, you look at yourself in different seasons and you're like, I had not just grown spiritually. I'm a new person. I got the greatest to me, most encouraging compliment um, a few weeks ago. And uh, I ran into the children of a person who's a part of our spiritual family. The kids have been here, but they don't come come. It was one of the greatest, it was so encouraging to me. They came up to me to dap me up and they said, thank you for what you're doing for my mom. I said, I say, no, you can't, you can't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, since I, yeah, you can't do that to me. So they said, thank you for doing it for my mom. I said, I say, okay. He said, they say, nah. She a different person since she been coming there. That's an accelerated spiritual transformation. We only been open a year. At this location, at least. Number three, you get abundant spiritual confidence. There's this hymn, Blessed Assurance, that when you got assurance, you're blessed. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Like, I've got, <laughs> that when you got the assurance that you and God are good, that's a blessing. So when, when, you're, when you're practicing spirituality in a way that's authentic to you, you have the blessed assurance, me and God good. Why? Because you're presenting to him the real you. And last but not least, it produces altered spiritual speech. There's a significant, there's a significant shift in the way we speak to God, in the way we speak to ourselves and to others. It's as, your speech changes. It becomes characterized by a conviction of the credibility of God. You talk to God differently and you talk to yourself differently. I will praise you 
because I am fearfully. See, that's altered spiritual speech. That's not arrogant. That's David saying, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, I'm looking at your works, are wonderful. That only happens when you align. And I'm a pastor. And I only experienced this shift about nine, ten years ago. I was in, I started pastoring early. I remember the very first time, babe, I don't know, I don't know why I remember weird things. I remember the very first time I came in, I was in New Jersey, it's a whole story, but I was in New Jersey and I was picking Pastor Meek up for the first time. We had, we had been married, I don't know, maybe six, seven months at this point. And so 911 had happened. She had, she was supposed to come to New Jersey. The economy went crazy. She had to stay back and keep her job. And I had to still come to seminary. Then the seminary didn't have an apartment for us. So I had to go into a dorm and I'm married. It was all sorts of stuff. God will test your dream. That's a, that's, a, that's a completely different stuff. He's going to test that word he gave you. Because when you go through that kind of adversity after a shift, it starts making you wonder, did I hear right? Now, God, you told me not to go to law school. I was clear. Now, I done jumped out here, and this is not going well. All that's going through my head. It's like, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's not because of the word. The enemy, t- anyway, I remember picking her up. I'm 21, 22, 22 this time. I, um, I go to the airport. Y'all not listening to me. I go to the airport in black slacks, black Stacy Adams, white shirt, and a black and pink tie and a Kango hat to the front. (laughs) You 22! Why? Why? Armor. Armor. That's how I thought you knocked Goliath down in ministry. God wants to upgrade you. But you got to know what you're not supposed to wear. And this year we're going to help you. Not just know your personality. You know that already. Next week I'm going to expose to you nine types of spiritual temperaments. Next week, I'm going to show you nine types of spiritual temperaments so that you can locate yourself. So that you can develop practices that align with how God wired you. Father, I pray every location that you set your people free from the pressure to wear something you didn't create for them. I pray that they would have the courage and the clarity to be their authentic selves because you want the real us in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands if you receive it.